Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Right here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning into SST, Apple Podcasts, App, Spotify. You're hearing me say those words. You don't need to know where to find us, but just in case you're looking for new places, we're everywhere. You look for podcasts. Thank you for tuning in. And of course, in the middle of football season and basketball season, we obviously know what's bringing us to the table here today is the hot stove itself. We got baseball talk as it has been quite hot on said stove. And, of course, with that, we have the designated hitters in the house. First and foremost, my guy, Alec Argento. What's up, man? Bing bong. Oh, so. there we go. No, I think we missed a bing bong in the intro music there. Did you guys notice that? I there heard was, it. There was a I ding the bing bong. There's one bing bong. There's another bing bong. For some reason, I think we only got one bing bong on that one. But it's all good. We, we, People we are hating on that bing bong out there on the, on the Twitter sphere. Bing bong's still awesome. Still live. It's yeah. so live. Uh, you know how many times at the giant game I yelled out who's the president and then like a bunch of random people just yelled Joe Byron. Just everybody in the whole section, old, young, male, female, Byron. It was amazing. Also with us, another designated hitter himself, Andrew Kalanya. What's up, my guy? How's it going? Ready to discuss the topics that are not only on the night, the minds of the uh, sports nation, but uh, the, the nation on the whole. Been trying to get Spider-Man uh, far from home tickets or... Uh, Whatever the new movie's called. This new Spider-Man movie. Said possible find tickets. What the hell? No way home. And uh, you mixed it up on me there. I was expecting something else. And, and yeah. you kept me on my toes. I haven't even really tried to get tickets yet. Because I am really bad at planning ahead. And I can't decide when I wanted to go. And then by the time I did try to look at dates, they were sold out. So, uh, yeah. Hardly tried. Alec, I feel like you got tickets. Already. I maxed on the first Sunday. I tried for I couldn't get the first couple days. Mm, wow. Out. Yeah. I'm kind of disappointed in you. You're usually quite swifty with this. I didn't think that people were going to pre pre buy them that quickly. Like I like I know that they had, you know, their Spider Monday ad and all that good stuff. I've never not been able to get a ticket when the day that it, uh, they go on pre sale uh, for any movie. And I go to the movies once a week at least. Wow. Well, I'm glad you got tickets, IMAX and uh, Andrew. You muted yourself. What is up? What's up? People are people are scalping the tickets. It's incredible. Like people are selling them for like hundreds of dollars online. Like anybody who buys a scalped movie ticket, like just need <laughs> to their money, like just immediately because what a niche market though. I mean, there's it's a theater with like what they they're like fifty seats nowadays in these theaters. So yeah. like and they have to be your theater. It's not like you can go put that on eBay and somebody from Wyoming's gonna buy your yeah. ticket in Staten Island, you know. People yeah. are driving like hundreds of miles to see it on the first o- opening night. I I wouldn't be shocked, honestly. I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, I all to go, all to go see like a CGI Tobey Maguire. Like it's it's incredible. <laughs> Shut your mouth. You you watch <laughs> it over there. Uh, well, it's exciting times overall because you know football season's awesome. Basketball season's getting into the swing of it. We're gonna talk Knicks as well at the end of the podcast because there's some mix-ups going on with the rotation starting lineup so obviously we're going to touch on that but it's baseball right now it's about what's going on in new york with baseball or what's not going on in new york with baseball but before we get into any of that if you heard last week's episode you're already aware of this but we have a new partnership with the basketball podcast network and that means we have a nice partnership with our friends over at DraftKings. andrew this one's for you 
The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1, $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team just simply scores a goal. doesn't matter if it's a beautiful one-timer or a lucky deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If, uh, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings still got you covered. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest for basketball, football, UFC, whatever you're looking for. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. That's TBPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPM at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. Slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Bravo. Wow. Ad read. Bravo. Hey. Good. Great yeah. job. And that was like- the most... Most hockey talk we've ever had on the, on this podcast. It was just a read, and that's hockey talk for the season. Uh, Andrew, <laughs> this is the the easiest bet of all time. Of course, you know, just somebody has to score a goal. How often? You may know this. I don't. How often? Because there's definitely ties in the NHL. How often are there zero zero ties? Never, never. There's a. There always. A, there's never a tie in uh, in in hockey. There used to be ties in hockey, but no longer ties in hockey. It oh. all goes to um, you play three rounds of overtime and then you do a shootout and then you either lose or win or lose in the shootout. And then you get uh, you have your wins, your losses and your overtime losses. And that gets calculated into your total points. And that's how you uh, figure out the standings here. Ah, I, so I thought no more regular season ties at all. That's great. What a beautiful no. thing for, uh, for the NHL that I was well aware of. Mm-hmm. You don't win, you I'm, lose. And even I can still win that bet. Absolutely, no, and, and it's just just one doll hair. So I mean, that's that's a that's a can't miss bet. Yeah, and I don't know if I got to keep doing these reads with everybody in the in the chat with he, with me here. A little bit of pressure, and then I feel weird. Like you guys are just sitting there waiting for me. To nah, you nailed it, dude. Oh. I'm just smiling, nodding, smiling, nodding. At you. Well, it helps that DraftKings is a fantastic product as well. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. my... <laughs> well, they they take a lot of my money, so I'd like some back. <laughs> <laughs> very, very fair. All right, well, let's get into why we're actually here today, and to talk about baseball. Now, if there were some betting odds about who were going to be the big players in the MLB this off season, there's definitely some some strong dark horse money on Steve Cohen the trust in the Mets to actually let it fly. But guys, we got it. We got what uncle Steve has promised for since he joined the team, really since he bought the team that he was going to make it happen and he wanted to win. And that was the most important thing across a, a couple subway stops over in the Bronx. It's not quite the same vibe. So frustration is definitely real for Yankees fans. Excitement is definitely real for Mets fans. We want to navigate both of those things and tell people where they really need to lie because probably it's somewhere in the realm of both of those things are true. Both of those things are kind of untrue. So let's talk about it. Andrew, I want to go to you first uh, as you know, you have your expertise in salaries and you're on top of the CBA stuff more than I am. So talk to me about this off season's vibe. How hot is the stove and your, you know, 
reactions to the Mets getting hot, getting frisky with it? Well, yeah, every the the at this kind of uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, there were kind of rumblings um, through all the the beat reporters that you know that the still people might actually be a, a flurry of signings before the uh, before the CBA uh, ends up on uh, December first, which I thought at first was kind of silly because you know I didn't think owners were going to want to spend money um, without knowing what the landscape is, but it seems like players want to know where they're going to be playing um, come January, February. And, and honestly, I think it, it, it's a conclusion. It's a well, well thought out conclusion that uh, the lockout's going to be happening um, come December 1st. So transactions will all have to be frozen. I mean, people are probably still going to do, you know, under the table deals and say, you know, when the, when the lockout eventually ends and they'll all sign wherever they're going to sign. But um, they're not supposed to, you're not supposed to make any trades, uh, free agents are frozen. Um, so people are kind of now rushing to, uh, to sign and figure out where they're going to play. Um, so you've seen in the last uh, 24 hours, you've seen basically all of the starting pitching, uh, depth and free agency have basically all signed. Um, all, and we've now signed, uh, Corey Seager signed $300 million contract. And, uh, it's been kind of crazy, um, to see. Uh, the Mets doing making the moves that they've made. Um, not only getting Starling Marte and Mark Cannon and Eduardo Escobar to all three really good, you know, starting caliber players, um, but now throwing the $130 million at Max Scherzer for, for three years um, creates a the, probably the best one two punch in, in all of baseball if the Grom stays healthy. So, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the Yankees have kind of just we're kind of just sitting here and I made this uh, joke in the group chat today it's like the 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 highlight of the Yankees offseason is the hypothetical trade that everyone's making with the A's of uh, of them fleecing them for Matt Olson and Chris Bassett so it's uh it, it's 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 kind of harrowing out there for yeah. for Yankees fans at the moment so a couple things jumped to mind with that and Alec I'll jump to you uh one, did you expect all this action pre-lockout? Like expecting that was going to happen. Did you expect all these signings to happen in a bunch, if you will? I know Marte happened a few days ago, but basically within the past like three or four days, a lot of action has happened. Did you expect that? And then what'd you make some of the signings? Alec. Oh, I thought you were talking to me. I'm sorry. I, I thought you were talking to Drew. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Get it together. Did I did I expect it to happen before the deadline? I have the, the CBA lockout. I don't know. I don't really know enough about it. If I'm being honest with you, I, I guess in my mind, uh, once the first shoe drops in the free agency, they typically also uh, kind of follow through from there. So uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, there's still plenty of money out there uh, to, to be had. Right. So it's pitching. And I think that the, the, if you look at some of the signings that happen, a lot of these people are, kind of capitalizing on their seasons like Kevin Gossman, Robbie Ray, Noah Syndergaard. Like these are players that I, I don't think can Corey Kluber, another one. I don't have a lot of confidence in them that, that I could say that they're going to be like a solid addition next year. So the big names like outside of Corey Seager, maybe Marcus Semien, like, I don't know on the, on the, on the hitting front, there's still plenty of people out there. So I guess it, it remains to be seen, but I, I, I do think it's interesting to see that dichotomy between the, the hitting and the pitching happening right now. Yeah, and it, and it all it all started with Andrew Haney of all of all players <laughs> signing with the, of signing with the Dodgers for like eight point that that was kind of the first perplexing move to me when I was when I saw Andrew Haney 
be the first guy to sign and like and get eight point five million dollars. I was like, I was expecting him to like sign a minor league deal with like the Marlins or something, but I guess the the Dodgers like this peripheral stats and think they can fix them, which they probably will because the Yankees couldn't. Um, yeah, it's, it's just the the flurry of signings have been absolutely uh, incredible the last couple. Of, and it hasn't even just been signings; it's been guys signing extensions. Um, uh, what's his name in Minnesota signed for seven years, a uh, hundred million dollars. Uh, Buxton, I believe Buxton. Buxton, Adam Frazier got dealt from the the Padres to the Mariners. It's just the, a flurry of transactions of of all kinds of happening. It's it's kind of Christmas comes early for uh, baseball fans because who knows what's going to happen, uh, how long this lockout's going to be when yeah uh, the yeah. CBA uh, is uh, over in uh, in a day and a half. Now, Andrew, let me ask you this question. This might be a little bit in the weeds, and then we'll get into more specifics with what the Mets are doing and what the Yankees are or are not doing. Is there a possibility with the CBA being, you know, obviously still getting worked out and the lockout pending? Is there a chance that teams are like, hey, let's actually get these deals in now? Because there's a chance that like money is going to be flowing more so after that. Like, I don't know. Is there, is there yeah, yeah. money on the horizon and teams are like, oh, maybe if we lock them in now, it's actually going to be a win for us long term? Like, does that play a role in this, pe- like this rush? to actually sign people or is it really just a market value thing where a name or two went and everybody else had to follow? I think it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of both. Um, I mean, it, obviously I don't think the, the luxury ta- tax threshold or anything like that is going to change all that much, but I think teams want to be able to at least have a plan in place or at least have, um, you know, kind of a, the first couple steps of how they want to build their team in place. Um, so I think it's a, you know, players want to sign players want to know where they're going to play. They don't want to have to figure out logistical issues of where they're going to play swing training, or if they're going to sign a long-term deal somewhere, I think logistically just having to move and, and go places. I feel like people, players just want to be comfortable and, and, and go into the holidays knowing where they're going to play next season. I think that's a big factor in it too. Um, and then GMs just want to want to be able to start building their teams. They don't want to wait until January, February to, you know, have an incomplete roster, like how it seems like the Yankees are going to be um, going into January, February with the, basically the same roster they had last year and, and, and a ton of moves that need to be made. So question, uh, I'm curious, do you think a uh, little tinfoil hat action here? Do you think that the reason these moves are getting done, there's a lot of money going out there right now, more so than a lot of other times. Do you think that this is a move being done by the owners to create a more disadvantageous bargaining position by the players because they can no longer say, hey, you know, we're not getting the deals that we should be getting because of the luxury tax or something like that. If Max Scherzer is getting $43 million a year at 37, do you think that that's a reason why these deals are happening right now? And then after the CBA, you might see significantly decreased offers going out there or, uh, or, I mean, maybe they won't be accepted, but offers being presented that are significantly lower. It, It could be, it could be like, you know, and I, some guys, some guys I feel like have overreached and I feel like some guys have kind of signed for cheaper. So I feel like, you know, maybe they'll say, you know, take the money now. We don't know if the money's going to be there come January, February. Who knows what kind of advice. I think they're playing it off that way. It's saying we don't know what kind of money's going to be available to you come the, you know, 
well, from I, the end I, of the I mean, lockout. You look, you look, at, you look all, all across this, like the signing, not just the free agent signs. You look like Wander Franco or something like that. They can't even say, hey, you know, these players coming up out of the minors aren't getting paid. You know, we're, you're, you're rigging the system or whatever. This guy just got locked up for 30 years uh, after playing half a season, not even half a season. So uh, like 70 games. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's all maybe it's all politicking and positioning themselves to uh, make to take away some bargaining power. Maybe they eat it on a couple of players like Steve Cohen. Maybe, maybe they all, all got in a room together and said, Steve, you got the money to burn. Go, yeah. go, go get us a position here so that we don't lose to the players. Yeah. And that, that's interesting too, right? Cause like with, with what you're talking about, there's always going to be a dichotomy of sorts, right? Where there's going to be some people who always beat the system. And then there's going to be people who, who fall short of it. And that comes to our question now with Steve Cohen and the Mets. There's obviously great excitement to bring in Marte and Scherzer amongst others at Escobar. Um, but there wasn't all positive reactions upon those signings before the Scherzer signing happened. The common narrative amongst Mets fans and people on Twitter in general, people in the sports world in general are saying, Oh, the Mets are, are just getting used by Scherzer to get his salary up in Los Angeles or in wherever he wanted to go. And the Mets aren't even going to get him. And if they do get him, that's way too much money. He's 37. He's going to get hurt, blah, blah, blah. So it wasn't like, Oh, we got this guy and everything's uh, rainbows and butterflies. There was some pushback to that. So, is there any chance that we could start working our way into a Mets and Yankees more specific conversation now? What are the odds that that the Steve Cohen spending spree that's got everyone so hyped up can have some negative uh, reactions to that side of it? I'd like to say that who anybody who cares about the money that gets spent, that's what baseball should be and always has mm-hmm. been. If somebody's willing to pay them that money, it's not your money. It doesn't affect the team. Like I understand in different sports, it affects salary caps and everything like that. And then it hamstrings your team. In baseball, you every owner should be like what Steve Cohen did this year. Every owner should put as much money out there as possible. They should dig just as much into their uh, cutting into their revenue as they possibly can. Obviously, within reason, it's a business. I don't expect them to to run a charity out there or anything like that. But that's what baseball should be, right? Like it's it shouldn't be this soft luxury tax, uh, this soft uh, salary cap with the luxury tax or anything like that. And I see. I know I know you didn't bring this up, but I, I, I was talking about it before. I see a ton of Yankee fans getting – and Michael Kay did this on the radio today where uh, they're complaining uh, about the, Met, the Mets spending too much money right now. And it's so it, – like I hate the Mets. I'm a number one Met hater out there. But I am like I'm, – I'm enthralled by what Steve Cohen's doing because hopefully it lights a fire under the Yankees because that's what every team in the league should be doing. And like over the years – there's there's not parity in baseball like there is to an extent like you can build it through your farm system but you're not going to have like a dynastic team or anything like that but the big teams who go out and spend there have always won maybe you have like kansas city royals here and there or whatever the case is but it's always been the big boys yeah absolutely and like even if you even want to kind of go back to the the raised extension of um or Franco for a second here. If you if I, I I tweeted out the salary by salary like um, breakdown, and they're they're paying him basically nothing for like the first couple of years, and then he it like jumps up. So they're basically gonna they're, they're gonna train him whenever he gets expensive. So it's, you want to talk about like the Rays never they they never win because they don't spend, and they say oh they're spending now. Well, not really. I mean he's gonna be expensive in like four years. And then you're going to trade him and get like uh, prospects and, and stuff back. So I'm not, um, so I'm very much uh, in agreement to that sentiment that like teams need to spend to be able to win here. And 
And I think you can be somewhat critical of how the Mets spend their money. Um, you know, uh, Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, and Song Martel are all in their early 30s. So, and Max Scherzer's in his late 30s. And you show that a, a good, I mean, they're all good baseball players. Like Mark Canna's a really underrated player um, for the A's, uh, really high on base percentage. And Eduardo Escobar, um, adds a adds a good amount of pop for the third base bag to you know now you push JD Davis in more of a uh, platoon or you know uh, role so that's uh, that's good for them and McNeil too um, and, you know we have Cano coming back as well so it kind of adds uh, different looks to the lineup um, outside of Alonzo and you know Lindor and Nimmo. Um, so and Dom Smith, hopefully they'll they'll have a DH this year. So the they've got a lot of different offensive weapons and 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 they've kind of diversified the offense uh, a lot, which is something I wish the Yankees would do. So um, you want to you want to be a little critical on the age of some of these players, um, and then, I mean they didn't really sign them to that long term deals like three four year deals each. So it's not like you know you're holding on to them till they're like forty five or anything like that. But so I mean the the window to contend for the Mets is now. You know like. Uh, Scherzer's Scherzer's here for two years with the with the option to opt out after a third. So like you need to win now with Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer. You need to go get another starter behind those two. I mean, it, it, I, like I said before, it's the probably the best one-two punch in in all of baseball at the moment. So um, th- this is really just a kind of Steve Cohen going all in and saying, you know, it's it's you know the last year was a disappointment, but now it's time to to spend and build up the farm system and, and, and make the Mets the, the team that he dreamt them to be. Yeah. And, oh. oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, one other thing that, well, two other things. First of all, that Mets managerial job is like the best. That's like when Steve Kerr got the Warriors team as, as the head coach. Like that's like the mm-hmm. best situation anybody can get into. That's crazy, um, but yes. but um, I'm not saying they're going to win the world series, but they're clearly a contender. Uh, right. And, and like that, you know, I, I, that's, that's a good spot to be in when they couldn't get anybody for it. Um, and then the other thing, I, I think I, it must have been like Buster Olney or somebody like that, but um, they're doing the Mets are doing exactly what, well, you would assume they're going to do this. Like, I don't have a crystal ball, but doing what um, the Dodgers did in, in the t- 2010s, which is spend a ton of money in free agency, get some players gets it like you know compete for the now and then build up your farm system i think they have two like they have a first round draft pick and a compensatory pick this year too um they're probably going to be all in on international signing and everything like that while they work on their advanced their their analytics and and all their scouting and everything like that as he puts money into that which the mets are like a lot of new york teams like the knicks who didn't have anything in place whatsoever so uh yeah i mean this is how you set up a team for success for long-term success you spend a lot in free agency when you didn't have anything you get the names to hold you over maybe you don't win maybe you do but you'll accrue better pieces when you have good pieces there this isn't like basketball where you need to have the number one pick to uh, right. you know have a good team your team your farm system will, will improve when you put money into it when you put the right resources to it you can turn good prospects or mediocre prospects into good ones and and figure it out when you have the right development in the minor leagues i mean that's the advantage baseball has that other sports don't so yeah and i actually i love what you just brought up too i was just thinking about that with baseball is the one unique spot where you know tanking can help you for sure right if there's a like a couple players at the top of the list every year that are going to be game changers and you're guaranteeing they're going to be up in the majors by age 20. Like, yeah, of course being at the top of the draft helps, but in general, 
you can build a farm system without letting the bottom fall out. Like the Astros did it successfully with their, um, you know, couple strings of great picks uh, back when they were trash before they became great. But that's not really normal in baseball. Basketball, football is way more normal. And what Steve Cohen said uh, that I really, really liked, and it was the opposite of what I've been critical on Steve Cohen lately was, this is about giving yourself the best odds to win every single year. You have to give yourself a chance. You have to be in it. It's really hard to win a World Series. And just by giving yourself a chance, by being in the race, you have a chance. You see it with the Nationals and Braves, the most two recent uh, champions that really pop out in that regard. If you're not in it to win it, you're obviously not in it, right? And that was such a great way of him navigating that question. He was asked about, oh, is it World Series or bus? I forget what the exact question was. Is it World Series or bus? Do you expect to win in the next three years? And all he said was, we're looking to put the best team out there to give us a chance to be in the race and be in it when the playoffs start. Because that's really all you can control is the roster you're putting together to get there. Once you get there, things get weird, things get wild, injuries happen, whatever. But he didn't come out and go, oh, we're going to win in the next five years. It's the Steve Cohen guarantee. I'm going to spend all my dollars until we win 100 games. Like He didn't go crazy. He didn't go over the top. He went calculated and reasonable. And it's not something that he's portrayed to fans very often from my perspective where it was all these big promises and excitement and I'm going to do this and I'm bringing back the black jerseys and we're going to do this and spend. He's doing the little things and building up and now he's done some big things and he's keeping it within reason, which gets me excited. Whereas, you know, we're used to having so many empty promises and big expectations that fall short as Mets fans and New York fans in general. No, that's a, that's a great point. And I think that's a, that's a, the right mentality to have for, for a team that hasn't had much success as opposed to the Yankees. When uh, Brian Cashman says something <laughs> yeah. like that, that's, that's when I get angry. Cause y'all been there. Years. Y'all already it's, did. It's so hollow. It's so right. hollow. When he says like that. what Steve Cohen is saying, is what the Yankees have done for, you know, since 20, 2013, 2014. When did they start getting back up to like the, the serious contender ways, I guess? Yeah, again. The, the tw- 20, been, 2015, 2016, yeah. Right, so if the Mets did what the Yankees just did for the past 10 years or eight years or five years, whatever it was, then right. it's like, all right, yeah, we need to freaking win a championship. Our window is jamming shut before our eyes. The Mets window, if you want to say it was open, it had shades down. You couldn't see, you couldn't see that it was open, right? It never looked like it was actually open. They need to get to the relevant mark first before they can talk about championship or bust. Let's make the playoffs two years in a row. Exactly. And, and, you know, the, uh, the, uh, I don't know, we didn't really touch about this, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, basketball and football and all that stuff was going on a couple of weeks ago, but when the Mets were looking to, you know, the, bring in a new GM or president of baseball operations and, you know, they haven't find somebody, but um, I, I actually really liked them picking Billy Appler to be their GM because uh, the free agents that he did sign when he was in Los Angeles, they worked out pretty well. It was Artie Moreno um, have kind of meddling with the team too much. And I think that really hamstrung Appler into actually building contender out there. So um, I know he was like the Mets, like ninth choice, and they kind of made that same mistake with like a manager last year, but I think Epler is a really talented, um, you know, GM, and I think he's he's kind of might be the right guy to actually steer the ship here um, for the Mets. So it's kind of kind of exciting. He's a, a ex Brian Cashman's like you know first lieutenant, so um, so he has that kind of that has that analytical background, and um, I think it's I think he's going to do wonders for the Mets. 
I got nothing if you're looking at me. Well, we were we were both you know new systems right now. We were both muted there. I actually tried to say something out loud. Didn't didn't get it picked up by the mic. But yeah, it's it's exciting and it is uh, something that was a big promise as well. I didn't want to completely act like what he just did in the past couple of days isn't fulfilling his first big promise of making this team more competitive instantly, but it comes with reason and it comes with uh, managed expectations in some ways. Now, and this is something that's just kind of ingrained in Mets fans, you know, complete mindset and makeup is that we don't trust a lot of things. Well, actually let's be, let's be honest. There's like two types of Mets fans, just as in there's two types of every fan. There's a, a group of Mets fans out there who are saying, Oh my God, this is amazing. We're going to be sick. We're, World Series contender. And then there's another group of Mets fans, the one that I relate to, who are like, I mean, we're still going to win 83 games, right? Like, we're still going to be right in the thick of a crappy NL East because, you know, DeGrom's going to pitch three games, you know, 17 innings, give up one run, and then get hurt. And Scherzer's going to get hurt. And then all of a sudden, we're going to be riding toe on Walker into the ground, and we're going to go 82, 82 wins this year. So th- there's two types of Mets fans. Alex, do you have any words for those types of Mets fans, either one? the positive or the negative, where should they feel right now? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what kind of Met fan really falls into the, the ladder anymore. I feel like every Met fan is a New York sports fan like I am, which is I, whatever happens, I'm going to buy into it. I remember those same Met fans when like Jason Vargas was the signing and they were like, let's go, you know, we got Jason Vargas, you know? So <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think it's hard not to be ecstatic as a Mets fan right now because the, the NL East is still one of the worst divisions in baseball. I know that the Nationals won the World Series a couple of years ago. I know that the Braves just won it. But how many wins did the Braves have to get to sneak into the playoffs? They have 90 wins this year. Braves it's didn't get better. 80. And the Braves didn't get better in the offseason. What did they do? They didn't do anything yet, right? The Mets just became and – the, and the Mets were the team to beat for, what, 75% of the season, too, until it all kind of fell apart. You also have – People like Francisco Lindor a little bit more comfortable, hopefully, going into this year, who completely underperformed last year, doesn't have to do a lot uh, by himself anymore. And then you have, like, when people say it's the best one-two uh, pitching combination in baseball, it's not even close. I mean, it's, <laughs> De- De- DeGrom and, and Scherzer, and it, Scherzer, it's not like Scherzer was bad last year or he's like a lottery ticket like Corey Kluber or something like that. Yeah, maybe he's not worth $43 million in two years. Who gives a shit? I mean, you, you want to win this year, and, and you got to go for it. By the way, Scherzer also has a ton of deferred compensation because the way he did with the uh, with the Nationals, I think it was like a 14-year deal where he played seven years, and he gets paid for an extra seven years. So he's getting paid like $51 million next year, which is bananas, by the way. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. But the, not the, the, Scherzer, the Scherzer deal currently, Scherzer is going to make more money than like three teams right now have at their payroll. He's, <laughs> I think the Orioles have like a $20 million payroll on the books oh this year. The, the Pirates have like $37 million. And there's like another team that has like under an under $40 million payroll right now. And Max Scherzer is going to out, out uh, earn those all three of those teams. Does he have the most career earnings in, 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 in uh, baseball for a pitcher? It's got to be close. I think him or him or Kershaw. I think because Kershaw signed like a couple of hundred million dollar deals, and he's only yeah. like thirty three. He's only thirty three. That's an he's an old thirty three though. Yeah, he might. He's I mean, a thirty three going on forty five. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk I think about he's. I think he's the. I think he's the the best uh, free agent pitcher that's left is is Kershaw. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but like he's not going anywhere, obviously, right? No, I, I think he's staying with the absolutely. Him and, Freeman aren't, him and Freeman aren't going anywhere. Yeah, unfortunately, if like uh, the the hypothetical trade for Matt Olson doesn't go through, I want the Yankees to go sign uh, Freddie Freeman. But uh, it's it's they're either going to end up with Matt Olson or they're going to end up with like Anthony Rizzo is going to come back, which is like not the worst Don't thing even... in the world, but it's such it's such a bland like we it's very we, bland. We've seen it. We've seen Anthony Rizzo already, and he's he was like he was fine. And he was fun, and the Freddie the Freeman would. Freddie Freeman would like he don't even like throw that into the world because it, now like the more I hear it, the more like I, he's always been the perfect Yankee from afar. He would be so fantastic for us. All here. right, hold on, be, like, let me jump in for a second. Wasn't Anthony Rizzo the perfect Yankee when he got brought over? Like he was a yeah, great Anthony guy. Rizzo, he's, Anthony Rizzo is good he's anymore. He's cute, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was good. He was a good as a trade rental like guy. He was. He was, We enjoyed him. He is not the future. And Freddie Freeman may not may not be great eight years from now. But he will definitely contribute this year for the mm-hmm. Yankees, and he'll hit a shit ton of home runs. P.S. We got Justin Verlander highest earnings ever for MLB pitcher, uh, followed by Greinke, then Kershaw. Is this updated? Guess, uh, this is probably withholding Scherzer's most recent deal. Um, mm-hmm. but that will that still wouldn't put him up above Granky or Verlander. So yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, good stuff. I, I think it's is obviously exciting. There's definitely Met fans out there, Alec, and maybe there's just the ones who are not uh, on Twitter or afraid to put it out into the universe. But they're talking to each other. Trust me. Yeah, you know, I I talked to a friend instantly today, and I got actually two friends I I got text from, and one I talked to instantly today. The the FaceTime was full of excitement. He's looking at season tickets. He wants to be there next year when they're exciting and they're good because they're going to be good. And then the next guy was, it doesn't matter. They'll still win 83 games. So that's literally the two types of Mets fans in the world. And it goes for every fan base. I think there's two types of fans, right? But trust me, there's plenty of Mets fans out there. I you just think the Mets, Mets fans Mets. are like Knicks fans where I still to this day think Frank Nielakina should have started for years for the Knicks. Like to this day, I feel like that was a missed opportunity and it solved yeah. his development. There, there's more people like me in this in in this city than there are not like me. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Well, and the Mets and the Mets still still need to sign a pitcher or two too. Don't don't uh, don't get that twisted. I mean, they're they're top heavy, but you still need some guys to be able to eat innings. I mean, um, I don't think any. I know uh, I know how Alec feels about Marcus Stroman, but do you want do you want Stroman back, Pete? Now, how about Strowman, real quick before we talk about that? How about him just feuding with Yankee fans, like seemingly for no reason? Is he that? Well, no, spurned, he is so spurned by the Yankees, uh, and like that—that's what pisses him to this day. He just wished he got traded to the Yankees, and uh, he grew up a Yankee fan. And he just is pissed off and salty about it. Yeah, because yeah. Cashman came out and said, because uh, he was like available at the deadline one year, and Cashman came out and said they like, oh, why didn't you get Strowman? He go, and he literally said, Strowman's not a difference maker. Yeah, and to, and to the public. So like he's been That's he's been so funny. fucking butthurt about that like ever since. So like I think I, I, people on Twitter. Listen, wait, wait. So who do they, who do they need? They they have they have Degrom, they have Scherzer, they have Taiwan Walker, they have Marcus Stroman, who are very serviceable three four uh, pitchers. I don't think we have Stroman. no Stro- Stroman's a free agent. Yeah, we don't have. Oh, he's right. a free agent. And then you have mm-hmm. that rookie. I forget his name from last year who was good for like, Miguel. Miguel. Yeah, Taylor Miguel. And you still have Carlos Carrasco. He's good for too, like a good he, period. He kind of... Yeah. Yeah. And, still... and Strowman, to answer your question, Drew, 
Like, yeah, he's a fourth guy that you're like, okay, he can go on a little run. Like he had a nice stretch last year where he was extremely serviceable. Like, and so you even put the word serviceable is probably rude because he was better than that. Why well, I said extremely serviceable. I don't know if that, what that means, but he, he was really solid at points last year. And then he comes back to earth and just like Tawan Walker did, like he was off the charts. He made the all-star team as a, as a last second guy. How, how uh, about Brian Cashman team. saying that Ty, uh, that Marcus Stroman is not difference maker, but then start, uh, trading for Andrew Heaney. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, uh, you, don't, you don't get it, bro. It's analytics. Okay. You don't, I, mean, I, I don't think Marcus Stroman is the answer, but if you don't Spin think Marcus Stroman is the answer, but you think Andrew Heaney is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty rough. All right. Let's talk about one more thing with the Mets quickly. And then we'll talk about the Yankees. Um, Kana, Kana, am I saying that right? Yeah, Kana, Kana. potato. I'm frankly not very familiar with, with uh, Kana, Kana. I'm not going to say it right now. Uh, but Escobar, obviously versatile player. Uh, Starling Marte, obviously more, the most well-known out of that bunch of, of three. We don't need to talk about Scherzer. We already did. What fit do you guys like the most for the Mets, or which player do you think could end up uh, being like a fan favorite, per se? Like, Because, you know, maybe like Lindor is obviously – the big ticket free agent, but like when somebody else comes in, he can end up stealing your love, if you will. And any guy like uh, Escobar or Kana steal the love from the Mets fans here? Do you think Starling Marte is the best signing and he's going to turn out what they expect him to be? Starling Mar- Marte is so, is like a flashy player. I mean, it, it would be hard to, Marcana and, and Escobar, they're good players. They're not the kind of guys that you fall in love with, in my opinion, you know, it's, it, it's like asking like between like an Aaron judge and a Joey Gallo, like nobody really, Joey Gallo is a boring kind of guy. Like even if he's like you know, contributing, but Starling Marte is an electric factory and that guy's going to have some highlight reel sports center moments all the time. Um, as long as he doesn't get into trouble, which he's done in the past and getting suspended for the whole year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say Mar- Marte too because uh, he plays like an incredible center field, and now you can actually move Brendan Nimmo out of center field, which he's uh, he's just not a center fielder, and I know he was kind of masquerading as one. And then you can move him to the left, and then you can have or you can move him left or right, and you have kind of Canna in the other outfield corner, and then you can finally put Dom Smith as at DH. But Marte's like a really electric player. Um, I think he's perfect in like the the either he's going to bat lead off or he's going to bat in like the two hole. Um, Top of the order, speedy guy. Um, he had 47 stolen bases last year, so I think he's going to make a lot of highlight plays. I think he's definitely the the guy that Mets players should be most excited about on the offensive standpoint. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, I'll be interested to see if it's Nimmo still in that leadoff spot. He was so effective with the on-base percentage last year. Kind of hard to uh, think about taking him out of that spot, um, but Marte is one of the better options in that role as well. So it'll be interesting to see, man. They have a lot of options to play with, and, and boy, if they don't come out of that, Lockout with a universal DH. I quit. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, I just, like, we talked about it on this podcast a million times, and I'll say it one more time. It's the most ridiculous thing currently still in sports. Like, mm. I just can't, like, you make any comparison to any other sport that, you know, one league within the, the overall league has different rules than the other league. One conference versus another conference has different rules. It, it just blows my mind every time I sit down and think about it, which is quite often when I watch baseball, especially the Mets with they're a team that would benefit so much from that lineup versatility and, and all that defense versatility stuff that you can do when you have a DH and God, if they don't come out with that, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's like why they, 
were willing to give out those three contracts. Because again, now I don't think I think Escobar is going to be more, and Ken are going to be more of um, like play utility kind of guy. So like they're not all going to like Ken is not the starter, and and Escobar is not the signer. But like based on like matchups, especially, and they're they're all three of them are righty bats, which is something the Mets you know desperately needed with uh, all the lefties that they have in the lineup too. So it's bring brings them lineup balance to be able to mix and match guys and it, it's just the perfect way to you know create just that extra extra offensive flexibility um and i think you wouldn't have made those moves unless that everyone it was kind of a foregone conclusion that the dh is coming to the national league so i wouldn't i wouldn't uh lose too much sleep about that pete oh thank you i'm, I'm glad to hear that and now let's talk about the new york yankees because we want to talk about losing sleep the yankees got you fans losing a lot of it uh it's been death by silence really here for the Yankees, all the things that the Mets are doing, not specifically with like each player, but the things that the Mets are doing from an overarching standpoint is what all Yankee fans believe their team should be doing. And as Alec outlined earlier, he believes that's what all teams should really be trying to do. Go sign good players and make your team better right now. Another quiet, quiet off season with the Yankees seemingly sitting on their hand. Some of the worst parts about it is how, it comes out after the fact that they weren't even interested in a guy. They weren't even near a number that the guy was asking for. And it kind of just blows the minds of all you guys, uh, all you Yankee fans, if you will. So, Alec, I, I kind of want to just give you the floor here. Frustration level is where right now? And what did you, what like, what do you just, what do you want? Tell me what you want, what you need. Just give me, give me your whole heart right now. Well, first of all, we did sign somebody. We signed Joel Rodriguez. So, you know. Let's not say we did nothing. Yeah, my but, bad. My bad. <laughs> uh, but it's 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 mind numbing, and, and you know you, you you. This is compounded by the fact that you kept everyone. You kept Aaron Boone. You said it's the players that are the problem. The roster is the problem, and you do nothing. And they're seemingly all in on Carlos Correa. I, I guess is the only thing that that, that makes sense here. But even if you only get Carlos Correa, you still have to fix this roster. It's it's not just one position. You have a glaring need in center. You have a glaring need at short. You still need a pitcher. I'm not saying you need to be – I can understand why they're not on a Max Scherzer or something like that. But to when you acknowledge that the problem is the roster, and, and it's becoming – more and more apparent that it's not Aaron Boone. Well, to a degree, it's not Aaron Boone. It's not the front office. It's not Brian Cashman. It's how Steinbrenner not wanting to spend any money. They have the same payroll that they had in 2005. If you adjust that for inflation, the Yankees have spent less money than they have in two, since 2005. That's bananas. You don't get below the luxury tax to Ooh. not spend money. It's ridiculous. And then you have someone like Corey Seager who fits the Yankees to a T and I know his, his, his defense isn't as good as someone like a Carlos Correa, but we need lefty bats. We need lefty bats. So it's gotten us into this mess in the first place. You don't need a lefty bat like a Joey Gallo. You don't need that. You need a contact hitter and you need a guy who's got a killer instinct. Corey Seager was a world series MVP and he's there to be had. The fact that they weren't in on him at all, is like a, it's it's a dereliction of duty. It's it's a it's outrageous that, that they're not doing anything to even check in on these players. I don't care when you when they don't sign a, a Marcus Semien or someone like that, or don't check in on him, or they don't sign a Max Scherzer. 
But when you have someone who's so perfectly tailor-made for this team, and then you had the season that you had, and you don't respond with a 2008 type of offseason where you go and get exactly what you need and you're not to be denied, it's it's mind-numbing. And then we're going to have to sit through this again. And, like, I know everyone's saying don't buy a ticket, don't give a dollar to this team. But the reality of the situation is, and I'm stuck with this team for life. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to abandon them. And, and I'm just going to have to sit through this and be miserable. And the worst thing about being miserable as a baseball fan, and, like, I know people I know. say that this is a Yankee thing. Like, you shouldn't be miserable. You did it. But, like, you sit through 162 games of mediocrity and then get bounced in the, fir- in the first round of the playoffs or the second round of the playoffs, it sucks. It takes the life out of you, you know? At least with the Giants, like, I can say, all right, well, week three on that, we're out of the, uh, we're out of the picture <laughs> and I can, I can move on. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, you're, you're in it until, no matter what. I don't care if you're the Orioles. You're not eliminated until the second to last month of the season. So it, you're just in it with this hope and then – I don't know. You have these prospects too. Like the, what I would have wanted in this offseason was two things. I wanted Corey Seager and I want Matt Olson once I knew that he became available. And if they don't get Matt Olson and he's available and you have the farm system that you have right now, that's also a dereliction of duty. You have these prospects to hopefully become a Matt Olson, right? To hopefully become whatever uh, whatever you need to get on the market. If he's there, he's going to fit the team like a glove. He's another one that would fit the team like a glove. Go get him. Anything short of Volpe, I'd be more than comfortable with. And even if you wanted to give Volpe, I can make a case for it and I would be okay with it and I would learn to love it. You need to get what you need to get. And and that's what makes it so hard to watch. Not just the Mets do this, but the Rangers, like the Texas Rangers, are put out $500 million worth of uh, contract money out in the past 24 hours or whatever it is. Like, how are you getting beat by everyone so badly? That's what just drives me crazy. Yeah, and it, and it's the fact that like you have this inherent market advantage of being the Yankees. Like you go anywhere around the globe, and there's people wearing Yankee hats everywhere. Like it's a it's a it's it's that and Coca Cola. Like it's 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 the number one sport, number one most uh, popular sports franchise in in the world. And you you print money. Like use that to like you don't like if you want to trade for Matt Olson, that's fine and 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 all. But like. Use your market advantage. Use the advantage that that is built into your team, and spend money and hold on to some of those prospects. Like if you if you can solve the problem by just spending money, then just spend money. Just just do that. Like I I don't understand this reluctance of oh if they give out uh, you know if they give Corey Seager a tenure they can't go sign Aaron Judge. What do you mean you can't go sign Aaron Judge if you if you set if you sign somebody to another make a contract? Like it doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Just like you, you can have both. You can easily have both. They, 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 they sustained uh, uh, the same. Again, Alex's point. Uh, Ten year, twenty years ago, in two thousand five, they had the same. They had the same payroll, and revenues have only skyrocketed since then. Like if they kept up with the uh, with the amount of revenue they've gotten, like they, they should be running like a four hundred million dollar payroll, which I mean nobody's expecting. But like you should be more than willing to be going over the luxury tax. Um, more frequently and you shouldn't be worrying about three years from now like especially since the championship window for this core is rapidly closing and you have all these holes on the roster and and you and you again as alex said he they come out and admitted that this is the problem we need to address shortstop we're going to evaluate all our positions and you know we're two days from a lockout and we have the same exact team 
minus Tyler Wade, who got traded to the Angels, and minus Clint Flager, RIP to my boy. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, well, it's Alex, one more, one more. The salary is insane. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, one more thing. It's it, it, the problem is too is that like you forced this narrative that's not there. This front office has forced this narrative that's not there. To the point where it becomes a talking point. The fact that we're talking about the luxury tax at all is outrageous. Like it should never even have like been added to the New York Yankee fan lexicon. We shouldn't know what a luxury tax is. It should have nothing to do with anything. And and, and I said this on the podcast like right before the the off season started, which is they do this thing where they they make a good move once every like two or three years. And then they, they use that as an excuse to not do anything going forward. So even if they go get Correa and they don't do anything else, you can't use that as an excuse. You need to go do these things to be a competitive team. And they're just not. They'll make one move. They'll probably go get Carlos, Carlos Correa. I think it's like – it seems like kind of a done deal. I wouldn't be happy. I, 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 w- I wouldn't be – super thrilled if they did and I wouldn't be super miserable if they didn't but like th- they're probably going to get Carlos Correa and that's ha- that's going to be it and then they're going to go sign a mediocre player to play first base they're going to uh, resign Anthony Rizzo or something like that they're going to keep the rotation the way it is which is and like have Aaron Hicks go out there in center field and and try to hope that Joey Gallo can do something it's like this roster they're going to resign Brett Gardner yeah, oh exactly. Goodness. Like this <laughs> roster needs to be retooled. There are good players there that you can trade for good value elsewhere, right? And that's another thing is like Brian Cashman. Th- this is where he drives me nuts is that he has that Danny Ainge complex where he doesn't want to lose lose a trade, right? He could he could trade Luke Voigt for some kind of value, but it will be less value than Luke Voigt on in a vacuum is worth. But Luke Voigt needs to be off this team. I love Luke Voigt. He had some great years with the Yankees, but there, there is no fit on this team for him. But he won't trade him unless the, he's going to get someone that he knows he's going to brook somebody with in that trade. So when that happens, we have Luke Voigt sitting on the bench next to Anthony Rizzo like he did last year or whatever the case is. You know, he's still on the team. He's not a free agent. So you have to move these people and then you have to create a better bench depth, which we haven't had in God knows how long too, right? That's another huge area of need that nobody's discussing. Like, I know we got Jose Peraza or whatever for a minor league contract, but like, look what the Mets did last year and how much we were talking about it when they had when they had um, the the Alar brother, uh, boys or whatever you wanted to call them. Like mm-hmm. that's like that was really impactful. Like, and that you can absorb a lot of injuries. Catch them afloat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know the Yankees are going to sustain a lot of injuries because it's been happening since you know World War II at this point. So. This just roster needs to be gutted to an extent. Like, listen, there's core players that you can build around and still maintain competitiveness, but you need to rework so much more than just getting a short a shortstop and getting a righty shortstop on top of that is going to drive me crazy. Yeah, and and the Ilar point, the Pilar Villar point is great because we talked about it and we called it last year. We were like, this is awesome. They're playing with so much energy. They don't feel like they lost a lot with these backups because they had depth. We knew it wasn't sustainable. We knew that that core uh, with Pilar and Villar being the biggest offensive players on the team wasn't going to get them to the promised land, but it actually made them relevant for even longer than they probably should have been at that point. Now, granted, when the guys came back, they either got hurt again or didn't live up to their own expectations, but that has been a staple for the Yankees over the past handful of years. Like Think about when Gio first showed up, Gio Urshela first showed up on the team. It's like, oh, we got a guy who's coming in, 
and could be a starter on this team. Holy crap. Like this guy is huge. And then you said, Oh, now we have a problem. Like who, who's going to sit, who's going to play. And they've been, you know, uh, carouseling the lineup with the who's sitting and who's DHing and then who's sitting. And it, it's been kind of a mess. Now they reached the point where they don't even have those luxuries. They were luxuries for a while for the Yankees. And now they got nothing. Like as much as you guys want to fall in love with, um, not Utah guys in particular, but you fall in love with a guy like Tyler Wade for two minutes. He's not a true, I'll, oh, I can just fill up for, for three weeks. I can take a bunch of innings and you won't lose very much. I can't do it for three months, but three weeks I got you. You didn't have that for the past season and a half. And, and like the, the modern day baseball dictates too, you should have a super utility guy. We have never had a super utility guy. And especially the way that we use our DH, which is, as a position and not as a, an opportunity to get guys rest and whatnot. Um, our bench is so antiquated and how we have it. It's like backup catcher, fourth outfielder who can barely play uh, and two middle infielders who have a little bit of speed and they're okay. They're, they're like above average defense, but can't hit for a lick. That's what the bench has been for forever because this new, like the, the, we have to have, 40 pitchers, five of which we never use. So uh, in, in the bullpen, so it, our bench has always suffered and that could be a huge advantage. And like I, they're relying on what happened. What was it? Four years ago or three years ago when, when the lightning struck in a bottle and like they had these Luke Voigt and these Gio Urshelos, the guys that they, they bought low on and had a higher than average return. But like, when you buy low, you also have to sell high. You know, that's kind of what, what, what makes the, the, the process worth it. So if you can f- turn a Gio Urshela into something, you know Gio Urshela is never going to be worth, a, a, you know, a $200 million contract. So sell him for parts, right, when he's high, because eventually he's going to get hurt and miss the majority of the season like he's been doing, right? And so I, I don't know. I, I it's, it's just very or frustrating. You, or you let DJ LeMahieu walk after he had two incredible years and he's going to be 30, 34 years old. You don't sign him to a seven, six-year deal, you know? I don't I don't <laughs> fault the Yankees for making that DJ deal. I think you had to make that deal. I think that it, was, I think it wasn't fa- just those think- two years. In Colorado, he was awesome. He won the batting title in Colorado. Like, he was not a bad player. He was always underrated. And I think the problem with him is the same problem we had with Glaber, which is these guys are playing out of position. He needs to be playing second base. And now, you know, you're going to have uh, uh, you're gonna have Glaber playing second, and then he's going to be, what, our full-time first baseman? Like, Or, or he's going he's gonna to roll – he's going to – if you sign a shortstop, so I guess, like – I guess he would be the kind of utility guy. I, I suppose you would turn LeMahieu into that. Yeah, so he would he play guess. third base. He would play second base. He could play first. He could I think you put him in third and get rid out. of Gio. You, you got to get rid of Gio. Like, Gio doesn't fit, fit the team anymore for what we need. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 a lot of guys don't fit the team for, for the need that's right the now. That's the problem. There's so many people on this team that just don't fit. They're not bad players. You can get value for them if you – Put them on the market, but expe- except that you're going to take a loss for where you got where you're giving them now, but not where you like when you got them. When you got Luke Voigt, he was worth peanuts. Now he may not be worth an all star like reliever or something like that, but he's worth something out there. You can get value for him. Maybe you can get a prospect or two that's you know somewhat decent, and then you can scout up and and uh, and 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 you know work up in the in the minors. And and my my question is off that is. There were all these moves over the past couple of seasons that really frustrated Yankee fans when, you know, uh, Cashman gives away Adovino to save money, right? Or something to a rival nonetheless. But there's a lot of moves in that nature that 
it's supposed to save the luxury tax or whatever, cut salary here, cut salary there, save a prospect here, whatever it is. With all those moves that frustrated Yankee fans in the beginning when it happened, shouldn't there be a payoff from that? Like, shouldn't those types of things where you're saving money just by giving somebody away lead you to then pull the trigger on some big time swings? Like, they lied to us. Like Corey Singer. Right. Like, like Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. Like, they lied to us. They lied to us for years saying we need to get under the luxury tax. And then once we get under the luxury tax, we will then spend money again. They, that was the narrative that was being pushed. So it just feels like, like a slap in the face of the fan base. And, and get, get ready for getting Freddie Galvis, everybody. Get, get ready for starting oh shortstop Freddie, Freddie Galvis on the New York Yankees. Is, is, that's, is, that's, is who's, that's, who's, that's who's coming. Rugi Odor, is he coming back? No, no they released him. The they released him too. He's gone. Yeah. It's it's crazy. It's not one to one, but like when the Jets trade Jamal Adams, right? And they don't sign him to the big contract. They then go out and have extra draft picks and they sign CJ Mosley. Now, obviously, it didn't work out. It's not one to one. But football, at least, is more like baseball in the sense of like the salary cap isn't quite as strict, or you know, you can kind of do more things. They go out and they they gave big money to the best linebacker on the market. Like the Giants, they don't uh they trade Landon Collins, they go out and they spend money on James Bradbury. Like that's how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to save money here so you can spend it there, not save it here just so your books look okay. That's not the game. That's not what we're here for. It's it's Don't the Yankees have like 35% of, of their revenue goes to payroll and it's like the fifth lowest or something like that. Yep, something like that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't know if you guys have anything else to say on the Yankees. We have some Knicks stuff to talk about. Um, do you want to end the Yankees talk with a wish list heading into the holiday season, Andrew? Maybe a little wish list of what they can do between, you know, Wednesday or whenever the CBA thing happens. Uh, and when free agency officially ends, what can they do to make Andrew Kalanya happy? Uh, not a not a lot between now and the and now and Wednesday, but because uh, Corey again, as we as we mentioned, Corey Seager was the was the number one fit, and then you're kind of as a Yankees fan, you're kind of sitting here at this prospect of now we're gonna have to have we're gonna sign who is he's the best free agent shortstop, and I thought he was the best free agent shortstop on the market. Now you have to sign this really unlikable guy who was like the face of a cheating scandal that's knocked you out of the playoffs multiple times. And this is the guy who is going to be your starting shortstop if you decide to spend money. So it's just, it's a very uh, onious uh, situation Yankee fans find themselves in. So um, not really much that can make you feel better. Just, just hope that they, you know, that this hypothetical Matt Olson trade everyone's talking about actually comes into fruition and then maybe you get uh, a starting pitcher from that. And then, you know, I, I think uh, I think part of that trade that was uh, that was going around there, maybe they'll take on like uh, what, what's his name? Elvis Andrus uh, as part of the, the deal as like uh, a salary relief for the from the A's because the A's look like. Yeah, that sounds done, like so. the Yankees. They'll, they'll do yeah. salary relief all of a sudden. Yeah, so maybe maybe to lessen the prospect tag to get Olsen and Bassett, uh, like that. That's like the rumor, but um, maybe you you know, who knows? But just hopefully that's the the reason why everyone's kind of they've been dragging their heels is that they're they have trades on the works and rather than uh, spending money, which I feel like is a is a bad strategy considering you're the Yankees. But uh, we'll see how it works out. Wish list, Alec. Are you done? 
I, I mean, like my wish list is go back in time and sign Corey Seager. I got, I got nothing now. <laughs> I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be happy with Carlos Correa. I know people. I think you, in particular, Pete said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You're the kind of guy who says that, and then as soon as he starts hitting, I was also the guy that like booed Kevin Euclid when he was on the Yankees and like celebrated his injury because I'm an asshole. Like <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I don't like players, and when I don't like you, I don't want you to yeah. succeed. So. Not only is he an unlikable person, like Drew said, he is the face of arguably the biggest scandal in baseball history and uh, is uh, also an asshole himself. So I don't like him. I don't want him here. And I don't think he fits the team and doesn't fit what we need. And I guarantee you, he's not going to be a good club, clubhouse presence either. Uh, I, I don't think that like Aaron Judge is going to be happy when, when, when he walks into the, the clubhouse. So. I don't know, and I don't have confidence in Aaron Boone to corral that clubhouse uh, because he's never been able to do that since he's been here. So, I don't know. I'm not happy. I, my wish list, I guess, would be to uh, – I, I guess Trevor Story would be my preferred shortstop left on the market and then add Matt Olson. But I, I think if you if you get – you have to get Matt Olson somehow. Yeah, it, it might probably be Story on like I, – I feel like they're really not going to sign – like Correa or anybody to like a long-term deal. Cause like there was that rumor or that report that came out right at the beginning of the off season that said, Oh, the Yankees are just monitoring the shortstop situation. They're not actively engaging. But in the shortstop Cashman situation. said specifically it's an area of need to us. That's what drives yeah. me crazy. So I feel like he, oh, yeah, he, yeah, he's, yeah. he's probably thinking like, Oh, okay. I can get, you know, the story had a down year last year and his shoulders hurt, but maybe we can get him on like a, on a one year prove it deal rather than, uh, you know, shelling all these dollars for Korea, and then we'll have Volpe or Peraza or whoever else be able to come in in like a year or two. It's like I, I feel like they're really going to go stopgap on the shortstop position rather than it's hand out a long term deal, which which just sucks. Yeah, that does suck. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry for you guys. Uh, it sucks. The Yankee fans squirming is only fun for a minute. For Mets fans, like Mets fans are like, ah, you Yankee fans are crying. Like you guys are still going to win 90 games. And then we realize that you guys are probably still going to win 90 games and probably still be better than the Mets. And you guys still have reasons to be upset. And then we just kind of hate you all over again. It's an endless vicious cycle. And that's why I say like, yeah, when Correa is batting like 285 and hitting for home, like power, um, you know, I won't hear as many Yankee fans cry. Maybe you'll still under your breath, be annoyed by him. But Overall, if he comes out and performs and plays well on the biggest stage in the game, it's going to mend a lot of those cuts. It's going to. And no matter what you say, it's going to mend a lot of those cuts. And uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see if that happens. So great baseball talk out of you guys. Let's do 10 minutes on the New York Knicks. How's that sound? Does that sound good for everybody? Sounds like too short. Sounds like too short. Well, I said 10. Well, I did say before I said 50 minutes on baseball, 10 minutes on the Knicks. And granted, you know, with our little intro and Spidey Man talk, we did about six or seven there. We did about just so just over fifty for baseball. We're right on, we're right on track here. Right on track. I remember Pete saying before he was like, fifty minutes of baseball ain't happening." I, I remember, I specifically remember hearing that before the podcast started. And now here we are. There we are, fifty-five minutes, uh, crisp baseball talk there. Uh, some excitements, some frustrations, and everything in between for the Mets, the Yankees, and the league at large. And now we get to talk about some possibly exciting stuff. For the New York Knicks, and I'll open up by saying this. If you remember perhaps a uh, TikTok or reel that we put out on Subway Sports Talk when the Kemba Walker signing happened originally, I basically said the good, the bad, the ugly, the Kemba Walker signing. And I said 
how it was obviously a no-brainer. It's a good signing because it was low risk. He's cheap. You know, we, he's not going to be a bad guy who nobody likes, and he can give spacing, and he can make shots, and offensively he can do some things if he's healthy. Then the bad was he hasn't been healthy. He's not quite the same player. And the ugly was he can't guard anybody, and he can be a liability in the defensive side of things. And if his offense doesn't come around, then you're negative on both sides. That's kind of what we've gotten to this point. Um, it was obviously exciting to have him hit shots early, and it was like Kemba's home. He's in New York, and now we are a month into the season here, and he is out of the starting lineup and seemingly out of the rotation at large. So did we expect this to happen this fast? Probably not. But I think a lot of people around the league who follow the league, follow the Knicks, follow Kemba Walker's career, they're being realistic. We didn't think this was outrageous of an idea uh, for him to be out of the lineup. Maybe not out of the rotation completely, but nonetheless, here we are. So Alec Burks inserted into the starting five. Emmanuel quickly likely to get a lot more opportunity, and he's been doing very well, hitting a lot of shots, creating a lot of opportunities for others. So Alec, how did we get here? And are you shocked and uh, you're, you know, happy, sad, disappointed? Where, where are you at? Yeah, uh, I'm happy. Uh, I'm like ecstatic. Um, I, I did not hate Kemba. I was happy that we signed him. I'm just, I still do not like, I know it wasn't my choice, but I don't regret that we signed him at all. Uh, I think it was, like you said, a risk absolutely worth taking. And I think that this, this shows actually a lot of growth for, for, for two dimensions for me, which is what I like. A, Tibbs, right? Tibbs, isn't, this isn't him. This is outside. He has continuously shown since he came to the Knicks that he is not the Tibbs of all. In the, a lot of ways, he is, in a lot of good ways. But in the negative ways, he seems to keep improving and becoming you know, more fluid and more in tune with the, the, the way that the game should be played now. Um, I think also... What another area of growth that you see is like the reason that we didn't do this last year with Alfred Payton was that quickly wasn't ready to take on the kind of minutes that he needed to take on quickly is improving quickly is a top five most important player on the Knicks right now and uh, I, I know people were hesitant about him being a point guard I know I was I didn't think he could facilitate the ball a lot but he's become a like an excellent bench uh, point guard, an excellent, like I, I would say excellent. Uh, he's not like a six man of the year candidate, but he's a two way, really, really solid role player. And you don't know what his ceiling is, but he seems to just kind of keep taking on the challenges. He's got a good headspace. He's still inconsistent. Sometimes he has his cold streaks, but he's young and you hope that he has the right people around him to teach him that. So I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. We tried. You know, like nothing ventured, nothing gained. But, you know, it's it's good that we're ma making the move. And then the move itself, I think, is an excellent, excellent, excellent lineup adjustment, which is um, you can't really have Kevin – if he's not starting, he's not playing. Because you can't have, like Tib said, three small guards uh, uh, the, the, on the bench unit. It's just not going to work. But by slotting Burks up, who's been closing out the games and playing with the starting unit since, since last year – um, he already has that chemistry there. He doesn't have to be the ultimate facilitator because he, he matches up with, with Randall really well. You could still, you can now run the, the offense back through Randall a little bit more like you could before the offense doesn't die in, uh, in, uh, in, in Burks's hands. He can penetrate more and then you still keep the most important parts of the bench unit intact. I know Burks was an important part of the bench unit, but he was really important because he came off the bench and played with the starters. But 
on the bench unit now, you still have Derrick Rose as that spark plug off, uh, off the off the bench. Gives you a different look at point guard uh, besides Alec Burks. So they're not the same type of player. They do a lot of similar things, but they're not the same type of player. And then most importantly, you keep uh, quickly Toppin and Rose together, who are the core of your bench unit. So I don't know if you guys saw this. There was a, a Fred Katz, who's like top uh, top uh, NBA. I mean, uh, Nick's beat reporter out there. He replaced uh, Mike Workinoff. He he tweeted this before a statistical summary of the Knicks uh, why they pulled up uh, Kemba. Knicks have the best defense in the league when he's on the bench, ninety nine uh, defensive rating, and they're dead last uh, with one hundred sixteen point three defensive rating when he's on the floor. Oh additionally, bad. additionally, they are twenty seventh in offense with him playing, ninth with him off the floor. Mm. you tried it you know we, we all thought yeah exactly so it's what what that shows me too is that like this isn't a bad thing because we tried something that, but we know what we have outside of him we know what we have outside of him and it's really good outside of him the lineups with Kemba just didn't work and then on top of that you had the rest games that you had to do on the back-to-backs it's just not worth it and and additionally you don't have to buy out Kemba Kemba is now salary filler. That eight million, eight nine million dollar, like eight to twelve million dollar field in the NBA, it's actually really valuable contracts because nobody has cap space anymore right now. And the Knicks are, you know, they're going to be in on a lot of trades or whatever, whatever, whatever's out there. And you need somebody with that eight to twelve million dollar contract. You now have, you now have him and Knox, who are perfect salary cap filler for a trade, right? That's you need players like that that are going to get bought out or waived or whatever it is to to uh, facilitate those trades. So I'm, I'm like over the moon. It's sad because I love Kemba who doesn't love Kemba. He's awesome. I really wish uh, that it would have worked out, but what makes it even sadder is the fact that this kind of seems like it's like, okay, well your kind of career's over because you didn't make it on the last three teams you were on. You've been on three teams in three years or, or two years, whatever it is. Um, your injury history is there. Hopefully he rediscovers himself like Rose did or something like that. But I mean, Rose is the exception to and not the rule. So, uh, but you know, bummed out for Kemba as a person because everyone seems to love him, but it's just, it's the perfect move uh, from the Knicks in my opinion. And they did it at the exact right time in the season to do it too. Yeah. And you saw it already in the, in the last game against Atlanta, yep. Quentin Grimes getting more looks, you know, who knows if we'll see miles McBride at some point, who's not a small guard. He's a bigger guard who's strong and can defend seemingly better than obviously better than Kemba, but better in general than a lot of guards, especially even Rose and quickly. He probably could be a better defender than those two guys. It opens opportunities for those guys. We hope to see that we couldn't find minutes for in the rotation because Kemba was taking 25 minutes a game. Well, I, I think that's what facilitated the move too. I mean, right. you, you, you've now gotten some good looks at, at, at Grimes. Uh, first of all, Grimes and, and Sims seem like, two of the best steals of the draft. I know that they're not superstars or anything like that, but for where they're drafted and how they're contributing, uh, like that incredible uh, uh, scouting on that one. And we don't really know what we have in Miles McBride. I know he just got his first bucket in the last game, but like when you have, you can't make this move unless you see that improvement from Emmanuel quickly, unless you, you can see the defense that Grimes can put in game, right? And 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 the good uh, uh, passing and facilitating that Grimes has been able to do in that three point shot that he has, because you don't take someone like Kemba out unless for a rookie, unless you know that the rookie is a serviceable player, and you don't 
ruin that kind of bench mob that, that's been so successful in the Knicks. The Knicks arguably have the best bench in, in basketball, and that's not like a hot opinion or anything like that. So yeah. you can't do that unless you know what you have. And 20 games was enough for them to see that. And and if they made the decision earlier, I think it would have been a bad decision because you, you wouldn't have had those those looks. And if you made it uh, any later, it might have been too late. I mean, they're hovering around 500. You can do that a quarter of the season in and it not really matter because the East is very jumbled. But you played a good team in the Hawks um, and you won uh, without Kemba. Uh, I think they did it with the Lakers too. I think Kemba was out of that game, if I'm not mistaken. But so the last two wins you have were when Kemba wasn't there. So against good teams. So the proof's kind of in the pudding there. Right. And if they can find a balance with the starters now being more successful and the bench remains a top tier bench, like if they're not now the best bench in the world because uh, Burke's numbers are going to the starters, like that's fine if they find a balance. Because what happens when they were struggling and not winning games is the bench comes in and erases the deficit that they created by the starters struggling. And then the starters come back in and it's kind of back to square one. Right. So that was what the issues were. That's where all this push and pull was uh, with fans saying, Oh, this bench mob is great, but why can't we get these starters better? We need this to balance out better. And uh, the Kemba thing, just to put a, a bow in it real quick, I tweeted about this um, a couple few weeks back. So the numbers changed a bit, but basically I was highlighting the fact that he was going to the rim less than ever before last year. And it continued for him to be going to the rim less, uh, even more so this year. But the real tough part is not that he was going there less, but his field goal percentage at the rim within three feet of the rim was his second lowest in his career. It was just over 51%. And it's actually gone up uh, in the past few weeks. So he was at 74% last year, 59, 57, 57, the years before that going down, into the paint and uh, less often is a problem going down there and not finishing with efficiency makes it even harder. And that spacing that's been hard for Randall to find is hopefully going to get benefited when Burks is not only going to be able to shoot from outside, but also get inside to kick out to Randall and Randall then gets those advantageous situations where he can attack off the catch or shoot the three, obviously catch and shoot. I think it's going to work out across the board. Fournier is kind of this up and down guy who, you know, we're going to love and hate just depending on the game of his shots falling like a couple games ago, uh, he was hitting a ton of threes and it was amazing. And then, you know, he had some quiet games. That's going to be normal. That's going to be how it goes. Um, but yeah, I think overall it's good timing and it shows really good process for the New York Knicks, not to trust the process or anything like that, but the fact that they evaluated and made a strong decision, like the fact that Kemba Walker has the, um, gravitas across the league that he does and Tibbs is willing to make the decision proves that this is a New York Knicks team that's operating the correct way and is running a sound basketball operation where they are seeing what's happening in front of them and they are adjusting on the fly as well as calculated, right? Within games, Kemba was getting pulled in fourth quarters for Derrick Rose and for Alec Burks. But now we saw the data and we're going to it at the beginning of a game, not just in desperation mode because the bench has been hot. And uh, yeah, Derrick Rose's ability to get to the rim and finish around the rim is what is separating him from any other small guard who is aging not so nicely. Derrick Rose has figured out a way to continue to finish up tight. I I, I really just want to like focus on this a little bit more. I don't want to understate it like because because the Knicks have never had a strong development focus as long as I've been watching the Knicks, which I don't know, it's like twenty years now, something like that. Um, uh, to to be able to assess what you have correctly 
and being able to put those people in the right position to see them getting the minutes and to see them developing into serviceable role players, uh, players that could potentially be starters, players that could potentially be all-stars, right? I mean, look at Obi Toppin, what, what he's had, what he's done this year. He's been nothing short of incredible. Uh, and, and, you know, not giving up on that player, but seeing their limitations that they came in, not putting them in a, in, in a position to fail, Obi did not get a lot of minutes last year. Now he's getting a lot of minutes because they fixed the things that he needed to fix. Uh, and he's like, a, he's a legit defender now too. Like that, that's just crazy to watch. So you can't make this Kemba move unless you know what you have. And that's why I'm comfortable with this. This is not something that I was afraid of, right? This isn't like, oh shit, they're taking him out. Why are they doing this? You do this because you know you have better options. And it's not better options because he's so bad. It is, it is because he's bad, but it's also because you have good players waiting there, right? This isn't like we're throwing out Jose Calderon uh, to, to be our starting point guard anymore. You know Alec Burks is a good fit with this starting rotation. Um, and it may not be the traditional point guard, right? Because he's, he's, a, big, he's a big guard. And, uh, uh, but, you know, he fits really well with what he does. He can spot up. He can break down the defense. He can kick it out. And now you have players like Evan Fournier who, um, you know, you couldn't have two gigantic defensive liabilities on the starting off uh, rotation. Now you don't. It makes Fournier better. You can hide him a little bit on defense, like every team does with their worst uh, their worst defender. And then you can get kickouts to for him to spot up, which is exactly what he's best at. Instead of him trying to create, running to the basket, then running back around and passing it out, or with Kemba just passing it to Randall and then passing it back and then passing it back. So uh, yeah. I, I, I that's why I'm excited about it is because I know what we have and I know it's going to be better. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Andrew, you want to add anything to the Knicks conversation here or uh, do we cover it? No, you covered it pretty well. I absolutely agree with everything that was said. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, and man, I, I think it's always a tough idea to wrap your head around when you don't have the true point guard out there in the starting lineup. But with guys like Burks, Randall, Barrett, and Fournier a little bit, they all can do it. Randall could now do it more like we saw him do last year. Cause let's be honest, like Peyton wasn't scaring anybody. He wasn't scaring any defenses last year. And Randall was able to cook, uh, but like besides that fact. So that being said, this should allow Randall to hopefully find the rhythm he had last year and just clean up the operation uh, overall. So I'm very excited. I think that's all we got though. Great job by you guys today. What a beautiful podcast here on subway sports talk. Uh, any last words? We, we don't, do that every week anymore because we've been going like hour 40 consistently. So now we're only hour 18. Any last words, Andrew Kalanya? Uh, go see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Fantastic movie. The best. <laughs> it's just it's great. And this this uh, behind the scenes kind of look here. This got uh, this was originally part of my intro. Uh, then we had to cut the podcast and start a new one. Kept you know, his toes here. But go see the movie. Fantastic. If uh, you're a fan of the original movie. Uh, has all the original actors, but the 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 new cast was actually great. Paul Rudd's fantastic, and McKenna Grace carries the movie. She's great. Go see it. Paul Rudd's always great. Alec, any last words? Yeah, I got one. Especially now that we got DraftKings here, so I'm gonna give everyone some so some my Alec Argento lock. Okay? Oh, oh, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a spicy lock. one too. It's a spicy one too. Knicks have never lost on national TV this year. I think they've had like five games on national TV playing the Nets. Okay. Joe Harris is hurt. Important contributor to, to that team. You now have a roster change that should galvanize the team. Now mm-hmm. that, now that Kemba's out there um, and uh, hopefully, and, and Derek Rose should be back tomorrow as well. I don't know that the Knicks win, 
what's that? Oh, tonight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know that the Knicks win. I lo- locked that they cover that minus six. I mean that plus six. Okay. I love it. Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's great last words out of you. My last words are a question. Hawkeye, do we like? Are we feeling it? I don't know. Give, give me another week or two. Okay. I haven't made up an opinion yet. I think I, I do. It's been, it's, been a, it's been a meh uh, opening couple episodes, but um, I feel like I, I think I made this point in the group chat too. Um, I feel like it'll stand up better if you're able to watch episodes one through six all together. Cause I feel like, especially with a lot of the Marvel shows that they, they cut them very, very weird. Like they, they shoot them like a movie and then they put like these weird cuts and, and create kind of uh, artificial cliffhangers when there really mm-hmm. isn't one for a story wise. So uh, right. I feel like Hawkeye will be more than the sum of its parts uh, when all said and done. But right now it wasn't, uh, you know, a great start for the worst Avenger. The <laughs> old WandaVision equation. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I was just thinking they did not do that with Loki. Seemingly that seemed to be way more thought out. And that's why it was absolutely the best one. And it was amazing forever and ever. I love Loki, but mm. it also could be Falcon and the winter soldier. And that, that show sucked. Ugh. Yeah. That yeah. was, I'm excited for Hawkeye. All right. Subway sports talk. Thank you all for listening. As always follow us on Twitter at subway sports talk, TLK. Instagram, TikTok at Subway Sports Talk, myself at Pete Kennedy, Swarles Barkley for Andrew Kalanya, and at Alec Argento ESPN. My bad. I blew that one. It's okay. Subway Sports Talk, y'all. Cheers. Peace. See ya.